Today's reading is from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Listen to God's word. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you please pray with me for just a moment? Oh, Lord God, our hearts are open, our minds are awake and ready, and we want to receive truth and power from your word this morning. So please, through your spirit, speak to us a word we can understand and not just understand, but live out faithfully all the days of our lives so we might give glory and honor to you. We pray that in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Have you ever been in a situation where you were afraid? I don't mean on a roller coaster kind of afraid. I don't mean watching a scary movie a little bit afraid. I mean wondering if you're going to make it out alive kind of afraid. That level of fear. Happened to me about 13 years ago. I was in Louisville, Kentucky getting ready to take off. Uh, I'd flown in that morning to do a funeral for a church member and... uh, it was a late afternoon, early evening, and uh, we were there getting on the plane. We'd been delayed for about an hour because of thunderstorms, and there was another line of storms getting ready to go through the area, so they kind of got us into the plane and got us down the tarmac, and just before taking off, the, uh, the pilot came on the intercom and said that we had a brief window open to us between lines of thunderstorms, so we're going to try to take off, and... He said that probably the takeoff was going to be a little bit bumpy and that we'd experience some turbulence, but once we got to a certain altitude above the storm, everything would smooth out and be okay. I was okay with this. I'd been on airplanes lots of times before, and I was you know, accustomed to occasional turbulence. But this wasn't turbulence. This was turbulence. The, we weren't up in the air maybe 20 seconds and, and climbing quickly, and all of a sudden the plane just started shaking There was a full-blown thunderstorm going on, and we were caught in the middle of it. The plane got very, very quiet, and we were just bouncing around. It was a white-knuckle moment, and I began to notice how my body was responding to that. Uh, My my breath was getting short. My heart was beating fast, and uh, I just began noticing things about the way my body was responding. I was experiencing fear. And a thought went through my mind. The thought was, I wish I had paid more attention when the flight attendant was going through the emergency procedures. Because then I had one of those Sky Mall catalogs and I was looking at that. I wasn't paying any attention. Now I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And then we hit some kind of downdraft or something and the plane just started to plummet. And uh, people in the, in the plane were starting to gasp. One woman behind me began weeping. The guy next to me, his eyes were closed. He was holding on. 
And now, now the fear level started to go up even more. And I began thinking, this, this might be it. I, I might be one of those persons who dies in a plane crash. They're very rare, but I could be one of them. And I began thinking about my wife and my kids. And I, let, I started to pray to God, God, if this is it, help me to be ready. But I, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to stay around a few more years. Well, uh, finally, what, what seemed like forever, but was only about five to seven minutes, finally the plane managed to get up above the storm and everything calmed down. And the pilot came back on the intercom and apologized. He said, we ran into more turbulence than we expected. You're not kidding. But uh, sure enough, it was a smooth ride the rest of the way. But I always remember that experience. And I remember what it felt like to begin to really wonder if this was going to be my last day in this life. Experiences like that do help keep everything in perspective for us, and it reminds us that this life isn't permanent. Most of us would love to live to be a hundred years old and die peacefully in our sleep, and yet the reality is that's not going to be reality for many of us, if not most of us. Death will come for most of us sooner than our 100th birthday and may not happen in our sleep. Welcome back to a series we've been in the past few weeks about the life and teachings of Jesus. And right now we're looking at some of the miracles of Jesus. And uh, as we've been putting out, the miracles of Jesus serve two purposes. One purpose is to authenticate Jesus' identity. Jesus performed miracles to prove that He was who He claimed to be, the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah. And by His authority of over uh, nature and, and over illnesses, Jesus was declaring... He is the one we're supposed to worship and serve and trust. But not only do the miracles authenticate Jesus' identity, they also communicate a message. And so as we're looking at these miracles, we're not only celebrating Jesus' identity, we're reflecting upon what the message of the miracle is for our lives today. And so if uh, you want to follow along this morning, we're in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, we're talking about the miracle where Jesus calmed the storm. Now, to kind of set the context, Jesus and his disciples have been ministering all day long along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, evening has come, and they're getting into a boat, and they're going to go across the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is about uh, 8 miles wide, 13 miles long, about 150 feet deep at its deepest point. And uh, they're in what would typically be a fishing boat. And those fishing boats would hold anywhere from 15 to 20 people. So Jesus and his disciples would be in this boat and there'd be a comfortable room. In fact, there's enough room that Jesus is able to lie down and take a nap. He falls asleep. And while they're going across the Sea of Galilee, they encounter a storm, a furious squall. And this is actually a very common occurrence on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is actually the lowest freshwater lake in the world. It's 682 feet below sea level, and it's in a deep valley, and it's surrounded by mountain ranges, and uh, the topography of that area causes winds to kind of funnel in and bring storms with them, and it's not uncommon for storms to kind of come up almost out of nowhere with very strong winds. Winds have been clocked at 70 miles per hour, creating large and violent waves. There are stories of boats getting caught in these storms, and and capsizing and and all the the people on the boat drowning. So what the Bible is describing in the story is a very real scenario. And in this particular case, the boat is starting to take on water. In Mark 
it says that the boat was being swamped. The waves are coming in over and, and water. They're filling up with water. And this is a serious situation. This is not just turbulence. This is turbulence. And the disciples, who, many of whom are experienced fishermen who spend a lot of time on the water, they know they're in very deep trouble. And so, they look at Jesus who's laying there asleep in the boat. At least that's what Mark says, that Jesus is sleeping. I, I sometimes wonder if Jesus was really sleeping. I wonder if he was doing one of those things where he's pretending to be asleep just to see what the disciples were doing and how they'd react. But the Bible doesn't really say. The Bible says he was sleeping, so we'll take it at that. But if Jesus is really sleeping, he must have been very tired. Because the disciples aren't sleeping at this point. They're terrified and they wake Jesus up and say, Master, don't you care if we perish? And then, according to the story, Jesus gets up and he speaks to the wind and the waves. In fact, Mark says he rebukes the wind and the wave. To rebuke something means to speak against it, to tell it to stop. And sure enough, the wind stopped, the waves stopped. All is calm, it says in verse 39. All is completely calm. And the disciples are amazed. Jesus says to them, why are you so afraid? Did you not have faith? And the disciples still terrified from their experience, are, are talking among themselves, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey Him? They're just now beginning to discover who Jesus really is. It's a great story. It's an amazing story. And once again, part of the reason we have this story is to show us that Jesus is Lord of all. He is Lord of the wind and the waves. He's Master over all of creation. But there's another message being communicated in the story. In addition to the fact that this authenticates Jesus' identity, there's a message in the story, and we can probably tell what it is. It's really telling us that Jesus can be trusted in the midst of the storms of life. Jesus can be trusted in the midst of life's storms. And life is going to be stormy sometimes, isn't it? Struggles, setbacks, disappointments. They can toss us about. Fear can start to set in. It's important to remember when you're going through the storms of life that Jesus is with us. And because Jesus is with us, He is the non-anxious presence in our boat. He is the one who can be trusted. We need not fear because He is with us. I've got a question for you this morning. How do you talk to yourself when you're going through a storm? What kind of thoughts go through your mind when... Your heart starts to beat fast and your breath gets shallow and you start to sense that, that physiological fear response that we all experience sometime. You know, self-talk plays a critical role in how you and I experience the storms of life and the impact that the storms of life will have on us. When we say things like, oh, I'll never get over this. Life is ruined. God has abandoned me. How can God let this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? Nothing good can come from this. That kind of negative, destructive self-talk feeds our fears rather than strengthening our faith. Social research has found that uh, negative words trigger in the brain to release stress hormones. Epinephrine, cortisol, adrenaline, the fight-or-flight That's why your body reacts in a fearful situation. It's the the stress hormones going through your body to either fight or run. And and negative thoughts, just as a a scary experience like being on a plane during turbulence can cause the body to, to respond that way, negative thoughts in your mind can also cause the body to respond that way. And it's not healthy for us. 
I mean, notice in the miracle, Jesus chastises his disciples for not having faith. It's not that they woke him up from his nap. I mean, that that was the right thing to do. That, that was not the sign that they lacked faith. Where they lacked faith, where Jesus is pointing out their lack of faith, is in the words they used as they woke Jesus. Did you hear what they said? Jesus, don't you care if we perish? They're implying that Jesus doesn't care. Jesus, don't you care that, that, that we could die? See, if you and I are going to go through the storms of life, we need to go through the storms with the confidence that Jesus does care, that Jesus is there. I, I like the way Craig Groeschel puts it. He says, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And, and I would add, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the goodness and the love and the care that God has for you and for me. Sometimes God calms the storm. Other times, God lets the storm rage, but he calms the disciple. In this particular case, Jesus calms the storm, but he he notices that the self-talk of the disciples, the way the disciples are talking, the, the words they're using show that they don't yet have the faith that Jesus needs them to have. How we talk about the storms of our lives. The thoughts we choose to think when life isn't working out the way we'd hoped or thought or think it should affects how we go through those storms and whether or not we're open to the power of God to do a mighty work in us and through us in the midst of those storms. That's why the Bible condemns the bad habit of worry. Worry is an expression of fear. Worry is that negative self-talk loop that goes over and over again in your mind. Hey, there's lots of things we think we need to worry about in life. We worry about our finances. We worry about our children. We worry about our marriage. We worry about the big things. We worry about the little things. Worry will rob us of the joy that God wants us to have as we live out our lives. And worry will prevent us from experiencing the victory that God has for us in the midst of the storms. And I'll tell you, worry seems to be more and more of a problem these days in America. It's interesting. Uh, researchers have found that Americans today report that they worry more today than Americans of previous generations. In fact, Americans today report that they have more worry and anxiety today than at any time in our nation's history since they've been doing these kinds of research. It's interesting that there's more worry today, and at the same time, people also report that they pray less today. They attend church less often today. They read their Bibles less today. And they sleep less today than Americans of previous generations. Can there be a correlation between our failure to engage in the regular consistent disciplines that strengthen our faith and the increased amount of worry, stress, and anxiety that people report experiencing today? I wonder. Because you see, worry is not just a bad habit. Worry is not just a personality trait. Some people say, well, I'm just kind of wired that way. I'm a natural worrier. Listen, worry is not something you learn to accept about yourself. Worry is a sin you repent of. It's a, it's, it's a way of blocking the flow of God's goodness. So many times in the Bible we're told not to worry. One of the most frequently 
given commands in Scripture. It's given 365 times in the Bible, I think one for every day. Fear not. Fear not. And that's what worry is. It's a low-level fear that you just live with. Interesting, one of the second most often given commandments is this one. Remember. Fear not and remember. I think they're connected. But the truth of the matter is, friends... Worry is this unhealthy fear that gets us doubting the power and the presence of God in the midst of storms. Yes, there are things we need to be concerned about. I'm not suggesting we we adopt this kind of I don't care about anything, I'm not responsible for anything kind of attitude. No, we need to be responsible, we need to be concerned about things, but there's a difference between concern and worry. See, worry is stinking thinking on steroids. Worry is the devil whispering in your ear and my ear trying to deceive us, distract us, and discourage us. And some people will say, well, Pastor Mark, I just can't help it. I'm just a natural worrier. I'm here to say, yes, you can help it. God commands us in His Word not to worry. He would not give us a command without then giving us the resources we need to honor and obey that command. So it begins by saying, I will not convince myself that I'm just a natural worrier and I can't help it because we can Stop worrying. We have to train our brain how to think in the midst of the storms of life. That's why it's so important to meditate upon the Scripture and memorize the Scripture and be faithful in prayer and practice positive self-talk. Not to deceive ourselves that everything's okay, but to recognize that in the midst of the storms, Jesus is there with us. And we can survive these storms. We can honor Him in the midst of the storms. See, God's plan for you and for me is not to give us a carefree, trouble-free life. God's plan for you and for me is that we demonstrate to people around us that our faith makes a huge difference when we go through the storms of life. See, if you and I go through the storms of life with the same attitudes, using the same kind of talk, the complaining, the worrying, the carrying on that, that people who aren't Christians go through, if people don't see a difference in how we handle the storms, then God doesn't get glorified. And, and Jesus doesn't shine through the storm. And so it's incumbent upon us, it's necessary for us to develop the strong faith we need so when we go through the storms, we can trust that Jesus will be there to help and to calm us down. Worry and anxiety are not good. Philippians 4.8 puts it this way, whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is excellent, think on these things. We have to train our brain. So that's a very important truth as you go through the storms. But ultimately, this story is not just about the storms of life. This story is about the ultimate storm of life, which is death. In the ancient world, getting into a boat and sailing across a body of water was a metaphor for death. To launch out in a boat and go to the other side to cross over is a metaphor, a word picture for death. In fact, the word that the Bible often uses for death is a nautical term. We get translated into our English as departure, but it's a nautical term used to describe a boat setting sail off to a distant horizon. This story is fundamentally about facing our fear of death. See, the disciples in that boat were on the brink of death, and they knew it. Now, again, some fear of death is natural and normal. It's wired into our bodies. You're going to Feel that fear in your body, like like when you're in a plane experiencing turbulence and wondering if this is it, right? That's natural and normal. That's the fight or flight response. But how we choose then to, to begin thinking 
And what we choose to do with our heart and our mind in the midst of that determines whether or not we have true faith or not. And Jesus, the reason Jesus is concerned about the faith level of his disciples is he can see that when they're facing death, they're frightened and they're not yet ready to trust in him. And Jesus reminds his disciples here that how you choose to respond to death says a lot about your faith. Why do you lack faith, Jesus? Why are you so afraid? See, Jesus promises to be with us in death. That death is not the worst thing that can happen to us. See, the message in this miracle is that when you and I get to the point of death, when we start to take that journey in the boat across the stormy sea, Jesus will be with us. We have no reason to fear. We may die, but we will not perish. We'll be more alive than we've ever been before. As I say often when I do funerals, we're not in the land of the living moving towards death. We're in the land of the dying moving towards life. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in this life that we forget we're just passing through here. You're going to be in eternity a lot longer than you're in this life. This is temporary. This is fading away. Eternal life is what we're headed for. I hear people sometimes say, oh, you know, Christians can be so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Frankly, the opposite is usually true. We become so earthly minded that we're not any heavenly good because we get all wrapped up in the affairs and the worries and the concerns of this life and this world that we forget the purpose of this life is to give glory and honor to God as we anticipate the life yet to come. And you look at the, the words of Jesus, you realize he tells us when you come to death, you have nothing to fear. Let's, let's take a look at these words from uh, John's Gospel. These are the words of Jesus. Let's read these out loud together. I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, even though you die, you shall live. And if you trust in me, you will never really die. See, Jesus is not only Lord over creation. He's not only Lord of the wind and the waves. He is Lord over death. And He has brought us victory over death through His resurrection from the dead. We will never really perish. Death is graduation day. And Jesus is the commencement speaker. And He has a very simple commencement speech. It goes like this. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. For in my Father's house there are many mansions, many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I will come and bring you to be with me so that where I am, you may be also. Friends, this was such an important truth that Jesus wanted to communicate to those disciples because He knew that they would end up facing death because of their faith in Him. He was preparing them for what was yet to come. You know, 10 out of the 12 disciples ended up dying for their faith, being executed because they declared that Jesus was Lord. Early Christians would gain strength from this story about Jesus calming the the sea as they spent time in prison awaiting their own crucifixion. Or as they were fed to lions in the Roman Colosseum. As some were tied to a pole and set on fire to light Nero's gardens. As some were stoned to death by angry mobs and while some were skinned alive and boiled in oil. This really happened to the early Christians and they were willing to go through all kinds of pain and suffering because they knew, they knew in the midst of the storm Jesus was there with them. And there was nothing to fear in death. 
When you read the prayers in the Bible of the early Christians, what you discover is they never pray that God would keep them safe. In America today, we have such a high value of safety and security. We're always wanting to be safe and secure. The early Christians never asked God to keep them safe or secure. They asked God to give them courage for whatever they had to face in life so that they would honor Him no matter what the storm looked like. Erwin McManus tells a story about the time his his young son came home from summer camp and couldn't sleep at night. He was so afraid because they had told scary stories around the campfire. And his son became very frightened. And Erwin would go in and pray with him at night to try to help him get to sleep. And, and his son one night said, Daddy, would you, would you pray that God would keep me safe? And Erwin said, No, son. I won't pray that God will keep you safe. I'll do better than that. I will pray that God will make you brave. Give you the courage you need. To face whatever comes your way in life. Parents, what kind of prayers do we pray for our kids? Now, yes, naturally as parents, we care about our kids' safety and security. But maybe part of the prayer we ought to pray is give them courage. Give them confidence. Let them know that whatever storms come along in life, Jesus is in the boat. And as a parent, give me that same strength and courage so I can model it for my kids. So they don't hear me whining and worrying and complaining. So they hear me speaking words of faith and confidence in the midst of life's storms. And when the ultimate storm of death comes along, they'll know that mom and dad trusted in Jesus. And they were not afraid. The early Puritans had this concept of dying well. Didn't mean you died without pain or suffering. It meant that when you died... You died with a calm confidence that the best was yet to come because you believed what Jesus did for you and you believe what Jesus said. See, our attitude of death says a lot about our faith. And I think Billy Graham is right when he says only those who are prepared to die are truly equipped to live. So how about you? Are you ready to face the ultimate storm? I, I, I hope and pray it doesn't happen anytime soon, but the reality is we're just passing through here. Our time here is limited. Do you see death as the worst possible thing that can happen, or do you understand that death is graduation day? Whenever it comes, have you made peace with God? Have you come to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? And are you living a life of joy and gratitude? How is your self-talk these days? In the current storm you might be experiencing, or as you anticipate that ultimate storm that's coming eventually. Don't let the presence of the storms cause you to doubt the presence or the goodness of God. Because someday, graduation's day, graduation day is coming for all of us. That boat is going to be on the shore for us to step in and go. And when we sail into that final storm, we know that Jesus is with us. We won't really perish. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid.